All right, good to see you all here today. Glad you're out on this lovely, uh, lovely Sabbath day and gathered here in this place for, for what is a special service. This is our uh, Christmas communion service, and uh, this will be a, a special time here together. But before we get to that, <clears throat> I just want to uh, mention how pleased I was last Sabbath that uh, Pastor Japhet was able to be with us and and be our speaker. For, I guess for the first time in over four years, he'd had the chance to do that, and he appreciated that very much, and I appreciated it very much, and uh, look forward to him uh, uh, having a few more opportunities in the days ahead as we go forward, uh, along with a lot of the other uh, former pastors who are still a regular part of our community. That's uh, apparently a rule here. You, you stop being a pastor, but you don't leave. So your responsibility is then you occasionally have to preach. So where's Tony? He has to do it too. So, okay, yeah. So I appreciated, I appreciated his message, and then there was particularly something he said at the very end that sparked me. And that was at the end, and, and of course put it in the context, of course, of my own life, but even more so in his, and in his experiences as he shared uh, of of. The remarkable loss he's been through really in the last, uh, well, 18 months or so. Um, but he said, uh, speaking of uh, as we enter into this hol- holiday season, to weep, to laugh, and to dream. And there was something about those three words together that were very powerful to me. And, and in that sense, uh, we'll show up again before we're done here today, but uh, I just wanted to put that back in your mind, to weep, to laugh, and to dream. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day, for this opportunity to be here, for what this service means, for our opportunity to each be a part of this today. Lord, I pray that your spirit will come and do a work in every one of our hearts. I know all we need to be today is willing to allow your spirit to work. May we be open that your spirit will work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you might have seen the title for today and thought, well, that's kind of a strange title. But, but it actually, it's consistent with what I did two weeks ago. You see, uh, Jared, with his songs, keeps sparking me to ideas as we're having our songs at the end. And a couple weeks ago, it was a different one, but this... This last one was at the close of the service last week. We sang, it came upon a midnight clear. And there's a line in there in the second verse. Well, I'll just read you the whole second verse. It goes like this. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled. And I love what Brigitte did with our graphic here this week because you got your angel wings there and it's a cloven sky and everything. It's perfect. So... So, so through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled and still their heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world. Think about the reality of the world and the weariness of, of, of the reality of this life in this place. And, but then to think at the same time of heavenly music floating over that. Above its sad and lowly plains, they bend on hovering wings. And then here's the line that sparked me. And ever o'er its babel sounds, 
the blessed angels sing. You know what the Babel sounds are? It's your news feed. It comes continuously to you. The Babel sounds of earth. What do I mean by that? Well, we'll go back to the story of the Tower of Babel, the time where the nations of the earth were divided, when the peoples were set against each other. And what does your phone tell you about constantly, or your computer, or, or your iPad, or whatever it is you get your news from? It's the Babel sounds of people who just can't get along anymore. They're fighting over this. They're fighting over that. There's stress here. There's stress there. And the sound just goes and goes and goes and goes. And as I stood over there and we were singing that song and that line came up, I thought, oh, wow. So badly do I need the song of the angels to break through the Babel sound. Because my ears are full of the clamor and the hurt and the sorrow and the pain and my eyes are filled with the sights of despair and sorrow and longing. The line that got me a couple weeks ago was this one and it was from Joy to the World. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. The line before that says, No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. The curse, the curse of thorns, the curse of strife, the curse of trouble, the curse of sin that is upon us, that we live under, that makes us Weep, even in times of rejoicing. So what is this song that the blessed angels were singing that can cover and even displace the Babel sounds of earth? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, <clears throat> do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Now, now Matthew doesn't tell us how they got to Bethlehem. That story's in Luke. He doesn't tell us how they got there or why. 
or at least he doesn't from the practical human side of things, but he actually does tell us from the prophetic side of things. And that's what we heard a moment ago, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. He was to be born in Bethlehem. Do you know what the name Bethlehem means? It's interesting. So Beth or Bet is house. And Lehem is bread. So Bethlehem is the house of bread. The one that was to come was to come from the house of bread. I had an interesting experience some years ago when I had a short window of time when I was working for Adventist World Radio and I, I, I had occasion to do quite a bit of traveling. And, uh, and one of those trips, I was in Ethiopia. Now, the country of Ethiopia has a very fascinating religious history that, that connects with deep roots to Judaism and to Christianity. And you know the story of, of, the, of the Ethiopian eunuch who is traveling from Jerusalem back home, who was of some sort of a, 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 a Jewish religious tradition, had gone to Jerusalem, was reading the prophet Isaiah, not sure what to make of it. Uh, Philip comes up alongside and explains it to him. He, he understands, he believes, he's baptized, and this is the beginning of the Christian tradition uh, in Ethiopia. There was a king later on, some years down the road, uh, who lived in a town called Lalabella. Lalabella, Ethiopia, and he was a Christian king who had made a trip to Jerusalem and was so uh, overcome with the experience that he went back home and determined to turn his whole town kind of into the story. So it's a lot different. It's built on the side of a hills, and it's a very rough and rocky land and there's not a lot of wood resources and things like that, but they made do with what they had. There's a little stream that runs through town. They renamed it the Jordan River. Bit of a stretch, but okay. Call it what you want. You're the king. Jordan River flows through town. And then they set about doing a most remarkable thing. They started carving churches out of solid rock. And they gave these churches rather unusual names. They named them after locations. So there was one of them named Jerusalem. 
There was another one named Bethlehem. Now, did we get that picture? Was that, were we able to put that in there? Yeah, we have that picture. Now, that's a little hard to make out there what's in that picture because they've put a structure over the top of it. But that building down below there that you see is a church carved out of solid rock. You're standing on ground level looking down at this church because it's carved straight down into the ground. And it's fascinating to go into these churches. There's multiple ones of them all around the area, and they've carved them straight down into the ground. And you go inside, and it literally looks like some of the cathedral-type, I mean, they're smaller, but some of the cathedral-type buildings that you might have seen in Europe at that time with pillars and flat ceilings and arch ceilings. But the whole thing is carved out of solid rock. It's amazing. This one is called Bethlehem. Now, when they have their weekly worship experience, it's not a tidy little one-hour event that takes place at a certain time. It starts before dawn. And they kind of have this, to this day, they still do this in the, in the Orthodox tradition. They have this tradition where they, they, it's kind of like a progressive worship service. They go from church to church to church because each one of them represents a different part of the story of Jesus. Can you guess where they start? They start in Bethlehem. And the first thing that happens is they make bread in that church. And then they take it from that church to the church that is representative of Golgotha. And there, after they've gone through the different stages, there they receive the bread as a part of their weekly worship experience. The experience goes like five, six hours every week. You, you can't just be a, a so-so believer in that town. You've got to go hard there. It starts before dawn, and you stay with it until you make it all the way. But it all starts... At the house of bread. Why does it start there? Well, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. What's happening here is this is just after Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's multiplied the bread. And this was significant to the people because it had the feel of, of Moses in the wilderness and the manna that came down. Verse 27, Jesus says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? That's a very important question, and I hope each one of you are asking it in your hearts because I'm about to give you the answer, okay? What must we do to be doing the works of God? Here you go. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Before anything else, before all the good works, before all the other things, and yes, we want the other things, that's all important, but before that, comes the primary work of God, and that is to believe in Jesus Christ, that the Son of God came in the flesh, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, and through him we have salvation. 
That is the work of God. That must be the first work of every believer. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread that has come down from heaven. Jesus is the fount that starts the river that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that starts flowing from, from below the gate of the temple, and it's really shallow at first, but the further it gets, the bigger it gets. Until this river of life even causes the Dead Sea to come to life. This is Jesus. And in receiving the bread and in receiving the, the water of life that comes from Him, we are doing the work of God that He has appointed us to. And when we receive those, as, as we learned a couple weeks ago, we ourselves become fountains of life that water comes from us and flows into a world filled with Babel sounds. And this water of life that comes out of us when we are believing and living according to how he has shown us comes and drowns out the sound and enables us to hear a different song. The song of the angels. And when we receive, we join the angels in that song. Receiving in ourselves the very thing that they sing of. When the angels came to the shepherds, they said, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. From heaven's gracious king. That's our song. That's what we join the angels in singing when, when we've received the bread of life and, and this, this water of life. And we receive it with weeping. And we receive it with laughter. And we receive it with dreams. Weeping over our condition and over the condition of the world. Laughter, because even in the midst of it all, there is joy. And dreams, dreams of the day when we will truly sit at Jesus' table in the kingdom. This is what our service today is about. We've come to Bethlehem, the house of bread. 
And in this house, we will symbolically receive through this service the bread that represents the body of Christ, the cup that represents his bloodshed. And in receiving these, these physical emblems, we, we sing a song. We sing the song of the angels by doing the work of God, by demonstrating faith that, yes, we have received Jesus into ourselves. Yes, his blood is sufficient. It begins with receiving the sign of cleanness. For you see, on that night when Jesus broke bread, he first stood and, and wrapped a towel around himself and, and went around and washed the feet of his disciples. And, and they didn't want to receive it from him, particularly Peter. But Jesus said, unless you receive this cleanness, you have no part with me. And Peter said, then wash all of me. Jesus said, no, don't get carried away. You've had a bath. This is symbolic. By washing your feet, I'm demonstrating that you can be clean. So we receive this, and this is a part of the service that, that not everyone engages with, but, but we uh, as Adventists have traditionally engaged this service, and in a moment we will break from here and, and make our way down this hall to the community room down there where where several of the deacons have set up the space, particularly Steve, appreciate your hard work, have set up the space for us. And I'll come in there and give a couple instructions in case you're not familiar with the process there. And we'll engage in that, what we have called the ordinance of humility, both in terms that we are willing to serve one another, but also in terms that we are willing to receive from one another this symbolic act that represents rebaptism, if you will, a cleansing. We walk around in the world and our feet get dirty. But we will receive that and then, and then we will come back to this space. And at that time we'll have the table set up with the emblems. And uh, we'll have a song and, and then we'll go into our time with the emblems. I'll give you instruction at that point how we will do that. And we will receive those. And by so doing, we will join the angels in their song. So that even over earth's Babel sounds, the song of the blessed angels will ring out from this place. That Jesus has come. Jesus has lived, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen again. And all who put their hope in him will forever be part of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we enter into this with weeping, with laughter, and with dreams. Fulfill on us now in this time what we most need. In Jesus' name, amen.